I'm DJ Psyched, and you're listening to the Get Psyched Podcast. Let's get psyched about music. Hey everyone, I'm DJ Psyched, and before we get into the podcast, real quick, I'm just going to have a brief little disclaimer for you. I made this episode with a very special guest, Alex Stewart, which is very nice to talk to you. However, we couldn't do this in person, so we had to do it remotely. Um, and we've, I've been testing things with this Craig bot, uh, for this is the second podcast I've done on it now. First time it went pretty smoothly, so I was not expecting such audio errors. It sounds good, it's listenable, but I just wanted to uh, put in a little disclaimer and give you a little advance notice that there is a little bit of sketchy audio, so please hold in there. There's a lot of great information that was given in this podcast. Alex was a fantastic guest and had a lot of great stories and a lot of great perspectives to give, so... Uh, Just letting you know that the audio might not be super smooth, but let's make this into a game, all right? Try and find the moments that I re-recorded and moments where I took Alex's audio, copied, pasted it over another part uh, to make the sentences flow. Can you spot my editing or was I smooth? All right. (laughs) I hope you can enjoy this episode and get the same kind of value out of it that I did. Thank you for listening, and here's the first version of the intro. You're listening to the Get Psyched Podcast. I'm DJ Psyched, and today we're doing another episode of the DIY series where I have guests come on and talk about their experiences taking less than traditional routes in life and doing things their own way. So today I have Alex Stewart on the show. We met uh, earlier this semester at an event on campus, and Alex, I just thought you were really cool, so I wanted to ask you to be on the show, and I'm really glad you said yes, and I'm excited that you're here today, uh, because I think that you have a very interesting story, and you also just talk about things in a very refreshing and interesting way. (laughs) So uh, to start things off, I just want to give you your chance to introduce yourself and and tell me whatever it is you want to say about who you are and uh, just what you want to talk about today in relation to how you've lived your life and, and how you've done things. I like how you attended a uh, event in which I was bitter and cursing a lot. And you're like, I like her. Um, <laughs> that, that makes me like you. Uh, so my name is Alex Stewart and I am a graduate student at uh, North Carolina State University. I always have to pause whenever I say my university because so far I've attended three state universities. I'm like, Colorado State, nope, Portland State, nope, North Carolina State, okay. Um, so, uh, and I study industrial organizational psychology, which is like a really fancy way of saying work psychology. It's just the psychology of the workplace. Um, and I am definitely non-traditional. I'm a 38-year-old grad student, so I've had a, a long career before I realized I hated it and went back to school. So here I am now. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Thanks. Before, before we got on today, you sent me uh, a lot of bullet points about what kind of things we could talk about. And I really thought a, a good place to start would be talking about uh, how you've never known what you've wanted to do with your life. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> I, I, as you know, uh, as a um, undergraduate advisor for the psychology department and I routinely have people come in and they're like I don't know what I want to do with my life and I'm like (laughs) I don't either Um, and they think I'm joking and it's adorable Um, I regularly and routinely tell people getting older doesn't mean that you know what you're doing in life it just is you getting comfortable with not knowing what you're doing and 
proceeding anyway. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, when I was younger, was sure that I wanted to be a wildlife veterinarian and um, then went to school for it and realized that I did not uh, at all and then had a panic attack and chose what I could get an A in easily. So I studied creative writing, which was a creative way to get a, a useless degree. Uh, and I, I just, I didn't, have like a, a passion that I wanted to make money with. I had a passion. I had many passions, but I didn't want to sell them. Um, uh, you know, Leanne, you and I have talked about this whole, like there are some passions that you just don't want to sell. Um, in psychology, there are these experiments where if you offer a kid who loves to draw money for a drawing, they stop drawing for joy and only do it for money. Um, you just essentially kill a small child's joy, which <laughs> I think is a lovely experiment. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, um, Leanne, you and I both love health and fitness and working out and everything. And uh, have you ever uh, given like a workout program to a friend or like, uh, volunteered to work out and kind of train a friend. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's that gone for you? Um, made me not want to work out with that friend anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> when people are like, will you train me? What they mean is like, look out for me. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to work out. Like the reason that you and I <laughs> are like, you know, coming up with workout programs is because like, it's so much fun and we love it so much. Like I love coming up with workout programs for myself it turns out because of like I people who are not passionate about the thing that I am passionate about like you just suck my soul dry um most enervating people ever I uh uh my ex-husband is a graphic designer and he loves to design and like most designers just put their heart and soul into their design and then they put it in front of somebody who doesn't know shit about art or design and they're like I don't like the color blue and it's like cool I don't like you uh so <laughs> delete the blue and your life um like when you when you put your your passion into something and and people monetize it or critique it it kills it so so yeah I mean like basically I um none of the things that I love and care about are things that I want to sell to any of you people um, and so therefore, I focused on just learning. Um, I don't care what I do. I care what I learn. Um, every job is a learning opportunity. Every uh, job is skills acquisition, knowledge acquisition, ability acquisition. Um, I want something that fits me well. And what fits me well is something that I am about 50% good at. And the other 50% is learning um I like to learn and uh so therefore I don't look for things that I'm already a good match for I look for something that I'm halfway matched and then I get to the point where I'm really really great and then I'm done and I want to do something else so I have job hopped like crazy which makes me a perfect work psychologist I might add because I have done everything <laughs> shoveling shit and horse stalls for eight hours a day oh my god that hurts so bad um to uh, owning my own business. So yeah, kind of done a lot, a lot of stuff. 
So yeah. you need to job hopping and boo for, I have to know what I'm going to do with my life. If you don't know what you're going to do with your life, just be good at everything you do and then move on. Like, it's fine. I will be the best file clerk ever if I have to be a file clerk. I don't give a shit. Um, it doesn't negate any of my passions outside of work. So it's fine. Wow. As a, that was a really good answer. <laughs> ah, thanks. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> For everybody there, those, you know, completely bonded to their careers and everything. That's awesome. But those are weird ass outliers. And I'm not going to yeah. live like a weird ass outlier. Like those are the people that get like, on the covers of magazines. Well, fuck them. That's great. Like, <laughs> yay, I get to read about your weirdness. Like, cool. But you're weird. Um, there just aren't a lot of people like that. The average person changes their career five times in their life. Um, if you've done so less or more, like that's uh, like basically it's the average, right? So therefore, there are some people who just do one career for their whole life, and there are people who do twenty or thirty. Um, so so yeah, um, don't whatever you choose to do you're not choosing to do it for the rest of your life. Most likely you're probably choosing to do it for like four or five years. So don't, don't get too freaked out about it. Yeah. Solid advice. <laughs> I do have a, a question for you going off of all of that though. Yeah. Um, Cause you, you did mention it. Like, you, you know, you do things because you want to do them and you have the passion to do them for as long as you want to do them. And after you do something like, like your BA in a uh, creative writing, do you still try and find ways to incorporate that into your life actively? Or do you just kind of like, I don't know, is it, is it a thing for you that you have to use something you've done? Or are you just, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I just did it, you know? Yeah, no, I really like, <laughs> I should probably be more strategic about it and be like, okay, like how can I use this to leverage my career? <laughs> yeah, I've never done that. It's more along the lines of like in the middle of the interview, they're like, it'd be really great if we also had somebody who's a good communicator. I'm like, well, I have a degree in writing, so I'm, I'm pretty good at communication. <laughs> Oh, we need somebody who's a good writer. And you're like, well, that's, I can do that. That's awesome. <laughs> and also, I, I also find that um, uh, there are a lot of skills that I acquire that I can get really, really good at, but I don't like. Uh, so I am a good writer. Um, and I have been called a great writer. And that's awesome. I don't really like writing. Um, I especially don't like writing for people who should not put pen to paper um so therefore i i uh, will occasionally acquire these skills that i use to get a job and then i try to design the job or finagle the job in some way so that i don't have to do that thing that i use to get the job um which actually isn't, isn't that hard you can usually kind of re-engineer your job to uh to skate around the things you don't want to do um so yeah i yeah, the the skills are usually just something that you know you put on the piece of paper. Um, but uh, inevitably, like I said, because it, usually my jobs are fifty percent of I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, I'm usually doing so much of learning something new that whatever I have to do that I dislike something like writing, um, I'm doing it such a small percentage of the time that it's like, nah, whatever, I'll swallow this pill. It's fine. So yeah. But yeah, that would be smart. I should be strategic. I should think about this. I'm getting older. Not going to. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's like a big advantage though to having a bunch of skills. You know, is that you never know when one one of your skills will just I don't know be useful to you. 
<laughs> yeah, I think my skills are like a junk drawer. You know, <laughs> it's like there's something in here we could use. Hold on, I got something. <laughs> that's that's kind of the way that it works. I, you know, I've learned so many different software systems. Oh, this reminds me of this software that I used at the the pharmacy uh, when I was a pharmacy tech. Like, oh yeah, no, this reminds me of the Seriousware software system at the U.S. National Whitewater Center. Like, I helped set that up, and like, you know, you just <laughs> throw these things out. Um, and uh, and yeah, eventually you can just kind of use that. I, when you think about it in terms of like cognitive abilities, this is how we learn. Um, we relate things to things that we already know. It's super hard to learn in organic chemistry because you don't have a frame of reference for organic chemistry. Like organic chemistry kind of comes out of nowhere and you're learning about things that just are completely outside of everyday life. Learning psychology, a lot easier, a lot easier. <laughs> really easy to understand social relationships. You have 500, you know, at the very least. <laughs> it's really easy to understand cognitive dissonance and uh, stereotyping and all these things because you just have so much to relate it to. So essentially, by learning as much as I possibly can, I have all of these nodes in my head that I can relate new information to. So essentially, by focusing on learning rather than performing, by focusing on learning rather than, you know, what, uh, you know, what I'm doing um, consistently, by doing things that are brand new to me, I am creating all sorts of new networks that I can network other things onto. Um, so that's essentially the advantage to learning a whole bunch of things is that um, it makes further acquisition of new information easier. It's like a learning learning a language. Are you multilingual? Um, I'm learning another language right now, but I'm not fluent in two. <laughs> okay, okay. So like when you think about language acquisition um, when you're young, yeah. It's easier to do language acquisition when you're young because you essentially learn it the way that you learn a brand new language um, where you kind of are associating it with the thing that it's labeling. Like you learn the word for table in English and you think of the table in front of you. Um, and that's the way you would learn Spanish and German and anything else. Um, whereas when you're you're older, it goes through a filter of like table to the English word table, to the whatever foreign language word table. So therefore, like, you know, it's just like a little bit longer filter, but you always have those network node connections. And the more languages you add on, the actually, the easier that it gets, because you start actually associating directly with the table. You just basically learn new network mapping and everything. So... All right. There's there's a little cognitive psych for you guys. <laughs> I love like the, the, the psych knowledge drops you keep throwing in here. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't stop saying that I have literally never studied, never read a book on, like nada. Um, but I'm like, I think I'm into this. And I took one psychology class and I was like, oh my God, this shit, the rest of my life, this is all I want to talk about all the time. I love this so much. And I uh, I routinely like annoy my friends by being like, oh, so what you're doing is called knowledge bias. Oh, so what you're doing is called, like I just label every, yeah, I'm that girl. Yeah, fun at parties. That is amazing. I love doing that too. <laughs> yeah. So great. So, so great. you're not a good psych major unless you use it. Oh yeah, no. Unless you like. <laughs> so when I was judging you earlier, this is what I found. 
I love it when people are like, I'm not judgmental. I'm like, I see anything. Anyway, you're cute. Bye. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so um, when, when exactly did you take that first psych course? Was that like during one of your other programs? Or? Uh, yeah, so that was uh, at Seattle Central College, um, a community college. Well, central to Seattle, if you will. Um, great name. Uh, so I took a social psychology course. Um, I think I took, was it social psych and intro to or social psych and research methods or something like that? Um, I took two psych courses. And yes, yeah, social psych was so awesome. I love social psych. I always tell people social psych is the study of um, why people suck and so do I. <laughs> Like, it's just, that's what social psych teaches you. It's like, oh, now I know why everybody's terrible and I'm terrible as well. Um, So um, uh, I, yeah, I I went through that first class and it just kind of, it made the fuzzy world a lot more clear. Um, Gave me a lot more pixels to life. Um, It you know, studying psychology doesn't fix you. It doesn't make you not human, which I think it's cute that I think that not being human is a fix. Um, but uh, So you still screw up and everything, but you start understanding the mechanisms as to why. And the more you study psychology, the more you can kind of break down those mechanisms. And especially if you have any sort of mental health issues, which I certainly do, um, it really kind of helps you figure out the mechanisms for how to fix yourself and how to get around things. And it becomes just this amazing grand experiment that is your life. Um, that's more than anything what I learned when it came to learning about research and uh, how we do research and testing, um, how we discover interventions, how we uh, determine that they work. Um, that was I love research for that reason, because I'm like, well, I just want to get better all the time. I just want to be a better version of me every time I wake up. I'm so excited in the morning uh, because I've left (laughs) the previous me behind and I've got another chance um, to be awesome. So uh, to me, like having a major personal issue that I can then dive into the literature and figure out how to... uh, how to fix it, how to make it better, um, how to vet my sources so that uh, the information that I'm getting I know is good. Um, that is a, like a whole new world of freedom for me, a whole new world of discovery. That's, yeah, it's killer. I love it. So I couldn't get enough of it. I just wanted to keep on going and keep on going. So so I did. <laughs> so I threw my whole life away and kept on going. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely similar to to how I got into psych. I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think it's because, you know, understanding and being mindful, it's a really powerful thing. And psych is such a good tool for that. Yeah. You know, once you really understand how things work and you like actually observe things a little more, you realize that a lot of people go through life not thinking about how anything works or how anything they do impacts anything. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like that, I don't know about you, but like, does it increase your compassion for people? I find oh, yeah. before I was just like, you're a, you're a, you know, fuckwad and I hate you. And, uh, you know, like, I don't know why you did that thing. You're a piece of shit. And now I'm like, oh, I know exactly why you did that thing. <laughs> and I do those same things. And, 
<laughs> we're both pieces of shit. So <laughs> um, it also like, I mean, it changes how I see this world, like studying the psychology of uh, politics has been so helpful for me. I don't hate Trump supporters at all. Um, I love conservatives and I am not one. Um, I have a much better perspective and understanding about this world's opposing forces and why those opposing forces are useful um, and are not good if they are eradicated. <laughs> um, and it just, yeah, it's made, it's made this world a more tolerable place. Um, so yeah, psychology for the win, mental health for the win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beautiful thing. It perspective is. taking. That's what it's, that's what I think it's all about. That's perspective taking. You learn how to take the perspective of somebody else. Definitely. Yeah. Psychology really does make you like, I agree with the compassion thing. And I'm really glad that the course that changed you was social psych too, because I, I, I remember taking social psych and it hit so well. I just had to like go take that professor's other class because <laughs> social psych is such a powerful class. Like it really does blow your mind when you like stop and, and analyze your relationships and you're like, oh, we're both, we, we're both wrong sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I can see exactly why. <laughs> That's totally, yeah, that is exactly what social psych does to you, which is why, I mean, talk about politics, you know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. we're both wrong sometimes, like, really, really are. There's nobody who's going to be 100% ready, no, no nothing. Um, yeah. And so therefore, it's like, oh, wow, this humbles you right up. That's good stuff. Like, there aren't, uh, I, I feel like everybody should have to go through social psych. I won't let people drop the major until they go through social psych. I'm like, I know you want to be an engineer, but listen to me. <laughs> I need you to take social psych because the world needs to be a better place. Um, I don't know if it works like that for everybody. It probably really doesn't. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that we're on the same page. So let's sure just assume that we're both right. I sure hope so. I used to say that to all my friends. I was like, if you go to NC State, you have no reason not to try and take social psych to better your life and just do it for me to better the world, please. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I have taken social psych at three different institutions now, and I can tell you all three of them were mind blowing. All three. Social psych is just good stuff. Study social psych. Um, yeah, no, it was amazing. And studying research, honestly, is awesome. Learning how to vet sources and find good sources is so, so important. I mean, I think about all of the business books that I have read, all of the business books that my ex partner is still reading that are just bullshit. Um, by people who have an opinion and nothing else backing it. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I love science. I love having an opinion, having science tell me your opinion's dumb. I'm like, thank you, science. I needed that. <laughs> so, essentially what science does for you. Oh, and it's so good. So, so good. I love being humbled. Uh, considering what it is. I like being humbled because I went through the vast majority of my life being a self-righteous twat. So it's good to remove myself from that as much as possible. So. Yeah, I read I read that book that you told me about the free one on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, definitely has a very similar attitude. <laughs> yes, yes, that was. Uh, let's see, uh, the world doesn't give a flying fuck about you. Oh. Uh, yeah, so good. <laughs> so good. Oh, I did study psychology or uh, philosophy when I was undergrad the first time around. Um, and uh, oh man, 
nihilism is essentially what this is, where it's just like, you don't matter. Let me explain why you don't matter and why that's freeing. Like it's so, it's so freeing to, to not have to be special. Um, because when you realize that you're not special outside of the things that you do, and when you realize that special people are not special, uh, it kind of, oh man, you want to talk about mind blowing. So, I mean, prior to being at North Carolina State University, I had a design studio in Seattle um, where we did uh, branding and uh, graphic design. It was uh, me and my then husband, uh, now ex-husband, but still very, very close friend. Um, and uh, he's an amazing designer, just a rock star designer. And we had awesome employees who were fantastic. And we ended up getting some really great clients. Um, and we started really working our way up in the design world. Um, and uh, he's very, very active in the professional society, AIGA, um, Professional Association for Graphic Designers. And he, um, we started getting requests to speak at conferences, to speak to university classes, and to um, essentially kind of, I don't know, we started like being big timers or whatever. Um, uh, we were in magazines and stuff. And you, you realize when you get to that stage, because you start talking to other people who are doing the same thing as you, who are speaking at conferences, showing their portfolio, being flown, you know, across the, the United States or across the world to um, to go be special somewhere, that um, that all of them are like, I don't, I don't know, like I don't, I am barely hanging on, I'm barely paying my rent, um, but they're you know center spread in a in a super popular magazine, um, and uh, or you know you meet these people and they're they're doing really great stuff except for their extremely unethical projects. Um, or you realize that they're just super bitter about it and they're not really into it. Like you just start people who are super famous and super awesome and super successful and very quote unquote special are, are not special at all. <laughs> and so there, when you get to that level of like super success, super special stuff, um, yeah, it's not what you think it is. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like anything at all. Um, and so therefore, when I read, you know, the world doesn't give a flying fuck about you or uh, Mark Manson's uh, whatever it is, fewer fucks manifesto, um, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's spot on. Like, even you special people, you're not important. The world's going to get swallowed up by the sun someday and everything's pretty much equal, which is not important. Because the only thing that's important is humans, but other humans aren't important to anything else at all just a bunch of humans and once those humans go away that think you're special that's it <laughs> it's over so uh so calm down uh you don't have to be special like calm down just make your life super awesome for you uh don't be a twat but uh but don't you know don't feel like you gotta live up to anything or prove anything or anything you're just gonna be stardust someday so calm down you actually just uh, brought up something that I wanted to talk about because um, in the notes that we exchanged, you did mention that you're sweet 16 
uh, was full of traveling and that you traveled for your honeymoon and you even said that you did traveling when you were trying to find a place to live. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how has travel had an effect on your work and how has changing the way that you view the world affected the path you decided to take in life? Yeah, for sure. Traveling has been really big well, because of my philosophy that I've gotten from travel. So um, the first time I I really went abroad by myself, um, I was 15 and I went on a foreign exchange to Ghana, um, which is in West Africa, down by the Ivory Coast in that little little dip uh, in Africa there. and uh, I spent uh, just a month there. Um, we were working at an orphanage. And when I say we, it was like a, a group of students who went over. We each had our own host family that we stayed with. And then um, the, uh, but the group came together to work at this orphanage and we would have jobs, work at building a library or teaching the kids or something. Um, and that was um, obviously, as you can imagine, major perspective shifting. So um, the reason I wanted to go to Africa um, specifically uh, was because I just wanted to go someplace that was completely unlike where I lived. I am so amazed by the number of Western educated kids that just want to go to Western educated countries. Like why? I, <laughs> it's not, you're not going to learn anything. You're just going to learn what white people speak a foreign language talk about which is the same shit um so i wanted to go to some place where i was strange and foreign and um where i was an outsider i didn't want to feel like an insider um and so yeah that was extremely educational i got a very different perspective on life and i i learned to appreciate my life at the age of 16 which is saying a lot because you know when you're 16 you hate everything um and everything sucks and is lame and everything and i came back to the not lame this is awesome i love running water it's so good (laughs) like you just you just appreciate so much more um i was working with kids in this orphanage who had been um (laughs) there was this one kid ben who had been at the orphanage since he was an infant he was just dropped off there and uh at the age of 16 he was soon to be released from the orphanage because when you're 16 that's when they're done with you um and he uh had gone through the procedure that normally happens in this uh ghanaian orphanage which is that when somebody comes to adopt you or adopt anybody they line up the kids and let them pick them like they're on a menu um and uh he had been lined up for years and never picked. And uh, this kid told me that he was never going to get married, couldn't be loved. And he said it so matter-of-factly, like, I like pizza and can't be loved. Um, Because that's what he learned. Uh, Nobody wanted him when he was a baby. Nobody wanted him when he was a toddler. Nobody wanted him when he was a preteen or when he was a teenager. Um, And he was ridiculously handsome, smart, charming, wonderful. Um, Yeah, I, I... basically learned that as messed up as my family is uh it was i have family i was really thankful um i was really thankful for infrastructure uh for roads um, in which people actually listen to the traffic signals just little things it was crazy crazy awesome good um so then i always wanted to travel to places that were not western europe and granted i went to western europe i've traveled around there a lot but um 
when it came time for my then boyfriend and fiance and I to get married, um, I asked him where he would like to go for, um, for actually a, a vacation before we got married. And he, I said, India or Thailand? And uh, he said, well, I can't get uh, vaccines. You need vaccines for India, so let's go to Thailand. And I started researching and I realized how inexpensive it is in Southeast Asia. And I was like, we could sell our home and live out there for years. Um, so I made this whole plan, told him nothing about it until I basically dropped it all in his lap. And I was like, hey, I have an idea. Sell everything that we own, quit our jobs. And he said, uh, I need to think about that. And I said, do it or I leave you. And he said, well, I guess we're going to Asia um, because I'm a <laughs> rational kind person and marriage is all about compromise and so <laughs> so that is that is what we did we ended up getting married we were not sure where we were going to be we weren't sure if we were going to end up in a conservative country that wouldn't let us room together uh, if we were married um so uh we were already engaged so we're like oh let's just get hitched so we just eloped and um and we were going to go over to thailand uh and the reason we ended up going to romania is because um uh, there was a gigantic hurricane in Burma. I don't know if you guys remember, but Burma had a big uh, hurricane, and you can't get into Burma because Burma. Um, and so, therefore, people flying into Thailand. Um, and uh, there were just a ton of aid workers, and they were taking up all of the, uh, um, you know, the resources in Thailand as they should. And we just didn't want to get in the way. Um, we didn't want to, you know, take the hotel room away from an aid worker or something. So we said, all right, let's just hang out somewhere else. Where's the cheapest ticket? The ticket was to Romania. And so we literally got on a plane and I grabbed a, um, a travel book on Romania. And that was the first time I learned about the country as we were flying to it. Um, talk about terrifying. So we ended up spending six months in Eastern Europe, which I had spent plenty of time in Western Europe, but Eastern Europe, um, ex-communist Europe was fascinating. I talked to kids who were my age who were having to pay their professors for grades so that they could graduate, um, literally having to bribe them. I talked to people who had lived under um, the old communist system and learned about what their life used to be. Um, what it was now, and that actually there were some really nice things about the communists they really missed, and uh, and that their life was a little bit more of a struggle now. That was a shocker. I didn't realize. Um, and obviously it wasn't that way for everybody. And then after six months, we ended up um, where we got a whole new perspective on life. Um, by far the most remarkable thing that I saw was that there was nobody who took their trash away in uh, in Laos. Um, there, imagine, imagine like the trash in your home right now, having nobody come and take it away from you. <laughs> like, what do you do with it? Um, we have this thing that we just take for granted so much. Like we have a waste disposal system. Prior to uh, globalization, we backed their food stall food and banana leaf or something. Um, everything was biodegradable and so they would throw things on the ground. Well, we still threw trash on the ground, um, except now they were bags and cans of Coca-Cola or something. Um, and uh, so it was just trash all over the streets. And um, the a common household chore is to go out and burn the garbage because there's nobody coming to take it away. Um, and you would walk down the street and see these black plumes of nasty, acrid, horrible-smelling smoke. 
and these little kids just tending the fire, breathing all of this air in. It was insane. Yeah. So, um, so from that trip, I not only learned about other cultures, but my culture impacts other people. Um, and uh, so from there, we came back. Okay, let's get into package design because wouldn't it be lovely if a biodegradable potato chip bag landed in front of that little kid who doesn't have to breathe in carcinogens and die at the age of 40 from a freaking goiter in his neck? Um, so, yeah. Um, but the other thing that I learned that is basically my philosophy is that people are the same everywhere. Everywhere I went, people were the same. The weather was just different. I sit down in a bar in a really divey section of Cambodia and Phnom Penh and be talking to the owner of the bar in English about his marketing strategy uh, for his bar. I mean, like, he had the same business concerns as the clients I had in the United States. Um, it was the same stuff, the same conversations. I'd be talking to people about their annoying family. Um, this, you know, cool party guy who got wasted and struggling to get into grad school and like they're all the same. Like we're all just the same. That's crazy. So uh, so yeah, I don't I I don't travel as much now. Okay. I don't have a lot of money. And uh um B, the money I have is going to pay for grad school. And C, um everywhere I go, uh people are the same. So I have as much apprehension about going Bali as I do to going to, I don't know, Jersey. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's kind of my uh, my take on traveling. Look for culture shocks. Don't travel for for ease and beauty and everything. Go for where it's weird and learn learn about yourself, learn about your world, learn about your culture, about your country. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's actually a really good point because I feel like people are always talking about like travel is healthy and all that, but then they go to all these places that are just not much different from where we are. Yeah, like, why? What are you learning in stuff? <laughs> Shut up! Don't tell me about how the culture is that. Like, go fucking learn. Go like be somebody else for a little while. Yeah. Like challenge yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Challenge yourself. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one actually, and it's not at all the same. But I have, uh, I've kind of noticed. And it's something that's happening a lot in in all of the world right now because you know everything's everything's crazy right now, and um, and people are starting to realize how much we have and how good we have it because just the thought of losing certain things is sending people into pure like panic and chaos, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. we still have a lot of great things going. Our trash is still getting picked up, and our mail is still getting delivered. But people are still like nervous just at the thought of losing these things, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the loss aversion is so intense, and and uh, gosh, like we just have a plethora of shit. Like we're just littered with it, and we're like, oh my god, there's no toilet paper. Like I feel literal <laughs> anxiety when I like I can't. Yeah. My my cushy ass life is like, oh man. Uh, another depressing story from my travels. Cutest, cutest, cutest kid came up to me while I was sitting at this uh, kind of open air uh, restaurant thing in Cambodia and came up to me and tried to sell me a book. Um, they would have these books that they had copied on a copier and uh, they would try to like sell these books. And this kid had uh, some paint uh, below their nose. Um, 
probably like, I don't know, five years old or something. They've been huffing paint. Um, it's a great way to prevent yourself from getting hungry. Um, huffing uh, really cuts down on your hunger. And so this five-year-old kid had been huffing, had uh, attempted to sell me a book, and I was sitting on this bench seat with a cushion on it, and he started pushing on the cushion while he was trying to sell me the book, and I guess he decided it was comfy, and he got up on the chair next to me, and he put his head in my lap, and he passed out. It was fucking most wonderful and most horrible thing at the same time. Like, it was nice to provide a little bit of comfort, and also at the same time, um, it's not like this kid knew what he was doing. He was just all drugged up and stuff, trying to make some money, uh, and trying not to be hungry. <laughs> um, I think about that when I think about, like, oh, you know, I gotta go to the grocery store, and, and I gotta worry about social distancing and stuff. Like, I'm not at huffing paint as a five-year-old hungry. Yeah. Like, that's a whole different level. Like, we don't understand. You know, the sewer system in Cambodia and Phnom Penh was built by the French when they owned the place. Um, but then the French left, and then there was a massive genocide, and they lost all the people who were educated engineers who knew how to use the sewer system. So every year, they annually empty out the sewer system by uh, paying people to go down and scoop this shit onto the sidewalks and then let it dry and blow away in the sun. And that is how they handle the sewer system. And so I think about that when I think about the lack of toilet paper. <laughs> like, yeah. that that's what travel teaches you. Yeah. And these people, keep in mind, are the same as you and me. They know that it's gross. And they know that it's bad. And there is nothing they can do. It is wild. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, we have it good here and even in the middle of the pandemic we've got it good yeah exactly <laughs> which is I, not to, which is not to say that there are hardcore struggling um it's just that basically there are some there are resources available to us that literally don't like there are resources available that are delayed right now that are coming that are not coming to anyone in another country and so yeah i try to use that to to keep some perspective tamp down my anxiety yeah wow <laughs> sorry super yeah. depressing right yeah. <laughs> but it, it's good to get real sometimes yeah, I don't know I mean like I yeah, I spent a lot of the time when I was traveling trying to figure out how I could rescue the world um and that was uh that was when I realized how small I am <laughs> yeah. um yeah I try to do my part as much as I possibly can um, I'm in a humanitarian work psychology program trying to figure out how to make work a solution to many of the problems of the world. Um, and that's what I did when I had my own company. Like we tried to support companies that were trying to make the world a better place, B Corps and mission driven businesses and everything. So I'm trying in my middle class white girl way to make the world a better place. Uh, yeah. yeah. We kind of talked about this uh, last time we talked before this call about how, um, like, you can't really change the world. But the best we can do is at least make sure that where you are, you're making the best impact. Like, within your immediate circle, if you're making an impact, and if everyone were to do that, then the world would be a little bit changed, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that being an awesome world-changing person uh, we just kind of need to change our perspective on what that looks like. 
a world-changing person doesn't always end up on the cover of a magazine. Um, for all of those many, 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 many people who will listen to this who had shitty, shitty parents, <laughs> um, as far as I'm concerned, a world-changing person can be just an amazing mom or an amazing dad. And they have some crappy job or, you know, like, don't even have a job or do a lot of volunteering or anything, but they just raise solid kids who are secure and uh, feel like they have the strength and power to, to take on difficult things. And um, those strong, secure, awesome kids can create awesome families of their own and uh, can be amazing co-workers um, who will approach somebody when they see them crying and save a life. You don't know. Like, I mean, the ability to change the world is something that you don't see. You think you see it when you, you know, like we celebrate these amazing icons and everything. Like those are some examples. But like having good character is saving the world. As far as I'm concerned. It's not something that's fully in your control. Like we control so little, but you control your own character one hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great bomb to drop. <laughs> Sorry, I was just sitting there like reflecting on that and I was like, I should I should say something, I guess. <laughs> I really I mean honestly that whole you know, the world doesn't give a flying fuck about you and Mark Manson's fewer fucks and everything. It sounds so like flippant and everything, and I guess you could take it that way, but I think it's a little bit more about like listen, you know, like you can't you can't save the world. The world's kinda of yeah. fucked. Um but you can calm down and do your best. Um, and I think that there's there's a lot to aspire to there in terms of just trying to be your very best self. Um, like I said, we just don't have control over anything else other than our character. And so therefore focusing on being a better you is really the thing that you can affect the most change on. So if you really, really, really want to change the world, Start with you, um, because nobody's going to follow you anywhere if <laughs> you are a shitty human being. Um, you know, yes, you can point to the outliers. You can point to the, you know, the Steve Jobs, who was a fucking tyrant, but also just, like, you know, got amazing shit done. I'm sorry, Steve Jobs didn't work alone. <laughs> like, I assure you, Apple became what it is not because of Steve Jobs solely. Um, do not look at the weird ass outliers and say, yeah, but he was a piece of shit and he did amazing things like, or she did or whatever, like be better, be better. Um, always, um, nobody gets to the end of their life and is like, I just wish that I got on the cover of more magazines. (laughs) Um, but I think there are a lot of people who get to the end of their life and say, I wish that I had been a better dad or a better mom, a better husband or a better friend. Um, so, and those things are within your control. Good drop. <laughs> Mic drop. That actually reminds me a lot of this book I once read when All You've Ever Wanted Isn't Enough. In that book, he talks about how, like, if you 
or to stop and think about the end of your life uh, and all the things that you've ever wanted to accomplish. Well, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he basically said, imagine that you woke up tomorrow and it was all over for you. You're in the afterland or wherever it is you'd be, and it's over right where you are right now. Your life is just over. Everything you didn't accomplish, you just didn't. Now, imagine that by some random stroke of luck, you got a chance to go back and do those things that you realized you just should have at least tried, you know? You kind of, it's supposed to be like empowering, like, oh, you think about like, if if things ended now, what would you have wished you had at least tried? Because obviously, you know, things are over. Um, And he's saying that you should just be that second person already. Like, it's, that's not really that hypothetical. It could happen tomorrow, whatever. Just be the second person. Yeah. You know? I'm pretty sure I, if I got a second chance at life, just as bad. <laughs> 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 I, uh, actually, it's so funny. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, how many times I feel like I'm playing a player game and I've gotten to like the middle and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I built my character. Like, this is, <laughs> I was not supposed to, I needed more knowledge points. Shit, 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 shit. Um, so, but I, uh, I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I had to do this all over again. I think that I could do it right, and I'd do it all wrong. Like I, I think that uh, God, but isn't that kind of the point? Isn't that how you learn by doing shit wrong? Um, isn't that how you learn best? I, I, I think the winners are the resilient ones, uh, the ones that just constantly get kicked in the nads by life and uh, and get up. Um, and, and just keep moving forward. There's the, there are so many developmental um, psychology and longitudinal studies that look at success, and they find that so often success in life um, is found in those people who faced a lot of hardship. Not an overwhelming amount of hardship, but a good amount of hardship when they were young. Um, I think that that's a testament to that resilience. Um, always being able to have that thing in the background that you're like, well, I made it through that. I can make it through this. I actually, uh, full disclosure, I, um, for a brief six months of my life that didn't feel very brief at all or like a life, um, I had a, a really abusive relationship that I was in. Um, psychologically and emotionally super abusive. Probably would have developed into physically if I had stayed around for a while, but um, but, oh my god. I had no idea that I could hit a rock bottom that low. Like, just horrendous and horrendously unprepared. My life had been a goddamn cakewalk up until then. And, um, and oh my God, like having to come back from that, um, from just wishing that something would kill me, um, from just feeling terrified by everyone and everything, no trust, no ability to take care of myself, like just so fucking low. Coming back from that, oh my God, it's like, come at me, life. Like, I can take it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it makes you a lot more fearless. 
like, you know, I might get this PhD. I might not. It's fine. I'll make it. I'll deal. Oh, it's fine. I don't want to die. That's fucking awesome. I'm doing so much better. Like, I might get this PhD and decide this was a horrendous waste of time. That's fine. I'll figure out something else to do. I don't give a shit. At least I don't want to die. Like, <laughs> it just, uh, it kind of changes, uh, changes your life and changes your perspective. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. still face hard things but it's a lot better and easier now yeah i completely i completely agree with the notion that life is more so about experiencing and growing and just keep trying and trying than it is about doing things right i think that uh as far as that guy when he was talking about that i think someone like you and a lot of people in this world who who do have a drive to do better and all that they're not quite on the same level as a certain there's like a subset of the population who I think just doesn't try at all, you know? Yeah. People who people who just don't care to face anything, kind of like come home from work and don't think about trying anything new and just put up the Netflix and don't do any. I think that was more so what his quote was getting at, but yeah. I totally agree with you. Like, if you are getting up every day and trying, then like, you don't need a do-over because you're doing it. Yeah, I... uh I have a new uh, term that I use for those dealing with life and getting introspective and all those things. I call them emotional fucking cowards. And you can meet these people who are so courageous and strong in so many areas of their life, usually mental or physical or something, emotionally fucking cowards. And to me, oh my God, those people, you know the people who are emotionally courageous. Um, they will be vulnerable, they will be open, they will be honest, but also do so with a full acceptance of themselves. Um, I read this quote once that was so, so good, and it said, confidence is not walking thinking that you're better than everyone else. Confidence is walking into a room and not having to compare yourself to anyone at all. And that, like those people, they have emotional courage. But courage is when you are scared out of your fucking mind and you do it anyway. And uh, those people are like, I'm feeling really insecure about this. <laughs> I'm feeling really scared. Or I might be rejected or I might be criticized. And I'm doing it anyway. Like, oh, God, I love those people. I envy the shit out of them. I try to do that as much as I possibly can. Because um, I think that's where that resilience and that strength comes from. But yeah, those people are just checking out of life. And aren't even trying and are just expecting the external world to you know come to their favor or something yeah they're fucked <laughs> they can bag my groceries <laughs> All right. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well i am really really glad that you came on to talk today um we've thank you for having me we've been, we've been... <laughs> We've been going for a good minute now, but um, yeah, it was it was really nice hearing you talk. So thank you for being on the show. And I mean, if yeah, if you'd like to come back sometime and, and talk about those books or just continue going on, because I'm sure you have a lot you could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was really fun. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to, yeah, to be a complete narcissist. Uh, talk about me and all the things that I believe in. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, it has been super duper fun, and um, and yeah, I hope that 
some of the things that I've said has resonated with people. And if you have anybody write to you and tell you that I am way off base, please forward that to me. I'd love <laughs> to hear about how wrong I am. I, uh, yeah, I need that as much as possible. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you to anyone who's listened. Please leave your criticism in the link below. <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Leah. Thank you. Thank you so much to anyone who was able to stick around and listen till the end. I really appreciate it. I'm really sorry about the audio. I'm here in post-edit, and it was it was pretty hard to edit it all. Um, I apologize. I'm really trying to find a better way to do this. I uh, didn't expect the audio to come out so sketchy, but thank you again for joining. Get psyched. Thank you, Alex, for being on the show, and I really do hope that you all were able to get some value from this conversation, because I know I definitely did, and listening back to it um, a couple days later while I'm doing this editing, it was a very nice conversation to have, and and very nice uh, thoughts to ponder on, and and new perspectives to think about, so I hope you got something from this, and uh, you know, yeah, if you do want to have a discussion about it, there are links in the description. Thank you so much for listening. Peace.